Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Join us here today as we begin our study into the King of the North and the King of the South of Daniel chapter 11 here on the Last Things Podcast. It's your boy Damien coming to you once again with another fantastic episode of the Last Things Podcast, where we are on a journey to truth. It is indeed an honor and a privilege to come before you once again as we discuss the Word of God. How is everybody doing on today? Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I'm so sorry I left you guys um, without an episode last week. I brought I had a back a bad case of hives, which is like bumps or scars or like a rash that breaks out over your body, right? It irritates, it, 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 it's irritating and itching at the same time. It almost feels like chicken pox. When, we, when I was younger, you got chicken pox at least once, you know, once you got it, you know, that was it, you know, but you will, everybody was going to have chicken pox. Now they have medicine where you take it and you don't even get chicken pox anymore okay but anyway so that's how i was feeling and it broke out over my hands other places over my body and also more importantly it broke out on my face so i had a rash outbreak right here around my mouth and i did not want to get on camera with that rash outbreak on my mouth so i wanted to wait until it healed up good enough before i got on camera to record another episode as you can see you can't even see you can't even tell that something broke out over my face and that's another reason why i haven't shaved because even though around here is healed up but in my beard i'm still dealing with it underneath my beard however it's i'm gonna say about 80 to 90 percent healed underneath my beard so i didn't want to shave i'm like i'm not gonna put no clippers on my face and irritate it and make it worse it's already trying to heal up. So I'll just wait. So I'm so thankful. And I thank God for healing my face to where you can't even tell I had something on my face in the first place. I'm telling you guys, God is a healer. When it doesn't matter what doctors say. God is a healer. And he has the final say in everything. There was a lady who used to go to church with us. Her name was Sister Terry. And uh, over, man, this probably maybe over 30 years ago. She was diagnosed with cancer, got the worst of worst reports, right? But she was believing God to heal her body. And guess what? God did that. He healed her body. She has been living cancer free for over 30 years now. I'm telling you now, God is a healer. If there's anybody listening who's dealing with healing in their body, dealing with issues and doctors say one thing, I'm telling you, God is a healer. And he has the final say in everything. Okay. So I want to encourage you. It's not over until God says it's over. 
Amen. So this is what I want to do. I know we left off in the middle of verse six. We left off in the middle of verse six. Okay. But what I want to do is we're going to start over from verse six. We're going to start at the beginning of verse six, and then we're going to go from there. Okay. Now let's do this. Let's just start at verse six. Okay. The beginning verse six, some years later, an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance. But she will lose her influence over him, and so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters, okay? So the verse, first thing we see in verse 6, it says some years later. So that means we're dealing with a time jump between verse 5 and verse 6, okay? Now, it says an alliance will be formed between the king of the north and the king of the south. The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage, okay, to the king of the north to secure the alliance. And they're going to, um, let, well, I guess I'll read again. But she will lose her influence over him, who's him. Him is her husband. Her husband is who? The king of the north. And so will her father. She will be abandoned along with her supporters, okay? Now, history says that the Second Syrian War between Syria and Egypt, who is Syria? The king of the north. Who's the king of the north? Antiochus II is. What's the name of that kingdom? The Seleucid Empire. But the dominant nation is Syria, okay? That's the, that's the biggest part of that empire, Syria, right? And, and they were at war, of course, with the Ptolemaic Kingdom of Egypt. Now, who's the king of that? Who's the king of that empire? Ptolemy II is. What's the what's the um what's the when you say the Ptolemaic kingdom, what does it say? What is what's the dominant land in that area? Egypt. Okay. So the second Syrian war between the Seleucid Empire and the Ptolemaic Kingdom was taking place, right? Now, during this war, the two kings, Ptolemy II. And Antiochus II came together to what? Make a peace treaty. There was a peace treaty drafted between the both of them. What does the Bible say? There was going to be an alliance formed between both of them, right? History says a peace treaty was drafted. And one of the terms for the peace treaty between Ptolemy II and Antiochus II was the daughter of Ptolemy II, her name was Bernice, would be given to Antiochus II to marry. What does the Bible say? The daughter of the king of the south will be given in marriage to the king of the north to secure the alliance. And that's what happened. Ptolemy's, Ptolemy gave his daughter Bernice to marry Antiochus II to secure the alliance, as the Bible says. Now, one of the things about this treaty is who, whatever children come out of the marriage between Antiochus II and Bernice, they would inherit the Seleucid Empire. So if some say if something happens to Antiochus, the children out of that marriage, in my opinion, the oldest one, of course, would be made king of the Seleucid Empire, right? Excuse me. Those facts, remember those facts, okay? Because it's going to come back in a few, it's going to come, we're going to come back to that in a few minutes, okay? Now, the but 
um, the Bible says she will lose her influence over him. And so will her father. Right. OK. How does she lose her influence over him? This is how she this is how she loses influence. Years later, Ptolemy, the sec years later, after the treaty is signed and Bernice and Antiochus have been married, Bernice and Antiochus have a son. She Bernice names her son after her husband, Antiochus, right? So he has a son, Antiochus, right? Now, before um, what ends up happening is Ptolemy the second, Bernice's father, he dies. I don't know how he died. It just says that he died. We, I, I couldn't find, I really didn't look to see how he died. I guess I could have put that out there as to how he died. But if you want to know, go. you can go back and research it yourself, how he died. But he dies, right? And after he dies, you know what happens? Antiochus leaves Bernice and his son and their son, Antiochus. Now, here's the thing. Before uh, this peace treaty was drafted, Antiochus was already married. His wife's name was Laodice. They were already married and they already had children together. But to secure the peace treaty, what ended up happening? He had to um, he had to leave Laodice and his and his child. Make sure my laptop ain't going to die. He had to leave Laodicea and leave his child and marry Bernice. And then they had children together, right? They had a child together. The child's name was Antiochus, right? Now Ptolemy dies. So what does he do? He leaves Bernice and his, uh, and his child Antiochus and he remarries Laodicea. No, I take that back. They didn't have children in the first marriage. It was the second marriage. The second time they got married, they end up having a child together, right? So that's what happens when it says she will lose influence over him. He leaves her when her father passes away, because now the treaty is kind of no, not so much as null and void, but there's really nothing there because Ptolemy's now gone. So he leaves. Well, I guess you could say it is null and void. But anyway, he leaves and goes back to his first wife. Right. And they have a child together. Now, this is where the soap opera part kicks in, because I told you the last episode, this is start to begin. This is going to begin. This is starting to sound like a soap opera is about to. Here's the soap opera part. When he left home the first time to marry Bernice, Laodicea was not happy about this. And she was and she's been harboring feelings about this. She, she, she wasn't happy about it. She wasn't happy. So when he came, so when. Uh, Antiochus came back to remarry Laodicea. I don't think she was, she wasn't feeling it at all. She wasn't feeling it. And so, of course, she struck. What ends up happening? The rumor in history says that Laodicea poisoned her husband, Antiochus II. And that's how he dies. He was poisoned by Laodicea, right? Now, the soap opera continues. We have a problem now. What's the problem? Not only has Ptolemy died, Ptolemy has now died. But remember, what was one of the things about that peace treaty? I guess you could say it still was it still was in place. What was the thing about that peace treaty? Any children between Bernice and Ptolemy would inherit the uh, Seleucid Empire. They would inherit the throne, right? 
Here's the problem. They had a child named Antiochus, remember? Bernice named her son after her husband Antiochus, right? So technically, Antiochus should be the ruler of the Seleucid Empire. Well, of course, Laodicea was not having that. What she did was she went back and told the people when Antiochus died, he had a change of heart. And instead of his son Antiochus being the king of the Seleucid Empire, she told them their son, their son's name was Seleucus II. And Seleucus, Antiochus wanted his son Seleucus to be the king, right? Now, here's the problem. Okay, but the treaty says Bernice's son Antiochus is supposed to be king. So if she's going back telling them, surely Bernice is going to have something to say about this, right? Well, she never said anything. You know why? Because Laodicea had Bernice and Bernice's son Antiochus, who was 19 at the time. She had the both of them killed. So they ne that's why they never said anything, because they were dead. She had them killed. So not only did she not only did Laodicea kill her husband, she had his wife, his other wife. And their son killed. So now all of them are dead. And guess what? Now that part of the treaty where their children would inherit the Seleucid Empire no longer applies. So what does she do? She goes back and tells the people that, oh, well, Antiochus had a change of heart. He wants his son Seleucus, her son, to be the king. And because Bernice and her son Antiochus are dead, there's nobody to challenge it. So when it, what ends up happening? So Lucas II gets the throne and he's the king now. So that's what the Bible says when it says she will be abandoned along with her supporters. That's what that means. She's killed by Laodicea and her son Antiochus is killed as well. All of this planned by this one woman, Laodicea, who was angry, in my opinion, I believe she was angry because of Antiochus leaving. And she never got over it. That's why the Bible says anger is a foothold to the devil. You got to be careful when you get so angry. You don't think because you blank out. You don't think and you say and you do things out of anger that you can never take back. And I believe she never dealt with that anger. That's why she put all of this together to make sure her son and, and at the end it benefited not just her, but it benefited her son, too, because she want because her son is now king. Oh, but the soap opera continues because it's about to get a whole lot interesting. OK, look at verse seven. But when one of her relatives becomes the king of the south, he will raise an army and, and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat them. Verse seven, one of her relatives. So the daughter of the king of the south, a relative of hers is going to, the Bible says, is going to become king. And it says he'll raise up an army and enter the fortress of the king of the north and defeat him. Verse 7 is where the soap opera continues. What happens now, years later? I guess it's been, so it's, I think it knows, I don't think it's a time jump. But anyway, so what ends up happening is now Ptolemy II is, has died, and now his son, Ptolemy the third 
is now king of the Ptolemaic kingdom of Egypt. He is now king. Now, when all of this stuff is going on with Bernice and the Seleucid Empire and the leadership, Ptolemy finds out about it. So what does he do? He decides to go to Syria to help his sister Bernice because Bernice is his sister, right? So that means not only is Bernice his sister, but Antiochus is his nephew, right? So he leaves Egypt to go over to Syria to help out his sister with everything that's going on because he knew the terms of the treaty. He knew, no, Antiochus is supposed to be king. So he goes over there to find out what's going on and to help his sister, right? However, when he gets there, he finds out that his sister and nephew were killed. Oh, he was hot. How would you feel if you got to a place, you're going to visit your sister, you're going to visit your nephew, and you get there and you find out that she's dead and nobody told you they kept it under wraps. They didn't say not one mumbling word. You don't know nothing about it until you get there that she's dead. And I believe he found out how she died. I think he found I think he found out Laodicea had a part to play in this because he was livid. So what ends up happening is when he goes back, what ends up happening is the third Syrian war. There was another Syrian war that broke out after the second. The peace treaty kind of stopped the second one. However, when Ptolemy found out his sister was killed, that started the third one. And that's when the third Syrian war took place between Syria the Seleucid Empire, and the Ptolemaic Kingdom of Egypt, right? But what does the Bible say? He's going to enter the fortress and defeat him, right? That's exactly what happened. He went in there, he went in, and he defeated that army, right? Now, you're going to ask me, okay, well, if he won that battle, what happened to Laodicea? History says he captured Laodicea and he had her killed. So when he found, so that's that's why I say I think he found out what happened to Laodicea because history says he found her, captured her, and then he killed her. She was executed. So I think he knew what happened to her. That's why I said this whole thing was a soap opera. It was a soap opera. Okay. Now, let's look at verse eight. When he returns to Egypt. He will carry back their idols with him along with priceless articles of gold and silver. Okay. So what ends up happening when he wins, he goes back to Egypt. Now, when he comes, when he goes back, he's going to have their idols with him along with articles of gold and silver. Right. All right. So this is what happened. He took back. He took back 40,000 talents of gold, 4,000 talents of gold, I'm sorry, 40,000 talents of silver, and 2,500 Syrian idols, which is basically statues of Egyptian gods that they had captured before, right? Those are the priceless articles of gold and silver. And when it says he carried back the idols, it's talking about the uh, statues of the Egyptian gods, the 2,500 Syrian idols. That's what it's talking about. So he took all those things back to Egypt with him, right? Now, verse eight says, "For some years, for uh, it says for some years after he will leave the king of the north alone." Right? Now, here's the thing. That's what it says. It that's at the end of verse eight. However, let me see if I can. I don't know why this thing is coming up on my laptop. 
However, it says he should. However, if you look at it in the King James. If you look at it in the King James, verse eight, the end of verse eight says, and he shall continue more years than the king of the north. OK, now, what does that mean? What does that mean? He shall continue more years than the king of the north. What does that mean? Right. So what happens is Seleucid the second he dies. Right. He dies by falling off of his horse before there was another invasion that was going to take place. Before that invasion, he fell off his horse and died, right? So Ptolemy, it says, Ptolemy lived four to five years longer. That's what it means in King James when it said he shall continue more years than the king of the north. New Living Translation makes it say, says for some years after he will leave the king of the north alone. But if you look at it in King James, it says he shall continue more years. That's what it means when it said he'll leave him alone. He's going to continue longer. Because Seleucid died after falling off of his horse. And Ptolemy lived years longer after uh, Seleucid dies. Okay? So, let's look at verse 9. Now, this is where we're going to also have to jump back to King James 2. Because it says, it words it different than it does in the New Living Translation. King James says, the king of the south shall come into his kingdom and shall return to his own land. Okay? King, a new living translation says the king of the north will invade the realm of the king of the south, but will soon return to his own land. Right. But verse nine in King James says the king of the south shall come into his kingdom and shall return to his own land. OK, so the king of the south is who the Ptolemaic kingdom. And what happens? It says he came into his kingdom, which is who the king of the north. And then he says he returned to his own land. What ends up happening? There is a. Uh, a um, uh, um, uprising, so to speak. There's something going on in Egypt. There's a pro There's an uprising. Things are getting out of hand in Egypt. So Ptolemy has to leave and go back to Egypt to deal with whatever's going on over there. Okay. So that's what it. So that's what it says. He shall return to his own land. He had to go back because there was an uprising going on. You might as well say. I guess you could say a civil war. Okay. So he had to go back and deal with that. All right. Now, let's go to verse 10. And now we're going to go back to the New Living Translation. OK, this is what it says verse 10. However, the sons of the king of the north will assemble a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. OK, so what ends up happening? Ptolemy goes back to Egypt. Seleucid, the Seleucus II is dead, but the Bible says he has sons, and they're going to assemble a mighty army. Now, history says Seleucus had two sons, Seleucus III and, and, and his second son, Serenos. Serenus, I think that was his name. Now, Seleucid III, I'm sorry, Seleucid III. Now, this is the thing, right? Seleucus III, his last name is Serenos, but we're going to call him Seleucus III, okay? It's, history says about him, he didn't have character, and he was usually sickly. He was always sick, right? He wasn't, and it says he wasn't liked very much, and he was seen as not being the definition of a proper king. After 
his two-year reign, because there's a time jump between here, his two-year reign, he was assassinated by people of his own army, right? Now, what ends up happening? What ends up happening is now he has a brother, and the brother's name is Antiochus. It's another Antiochus, Antiochus III, okay? And now he takes over. And now what ends up happening is between 219 B.C. and 218 B.C., the Seleucid empires were heading into the confines of the Ptolemaic kingdom. Meaning, remember, what does it say? Verse 10, it said he will be he what, what did verse 10 say he ascends a mighty army that will advance like a flood and carry the battle as far as the enemy's fortress. That's what happened. He amassed the army that was heading into the Ptolemaic Empire, uh, Empire uh, fortress, right? Heading into Egypt, pretty much. He was right there knocking at the, at the door, pretty much. But then verse 11 says this, Then in a rage, the king of the south will rally against the vast forces assembled by the king of the north and will defeat them. So now, who's the king now? The king now is Ptolemy the fourth. There's a time jump. So now Ptolemy the fourth is now king. And this king was known to be very hot-headed. He was very hot-headed. And what ended up happening is he defeated Antiochus III at the Battle of Raphia, R-A-P-H-I-A, okay? So that's the battle that verse 11 speaks of, the Battle of Raphia. If you want to look it up, you can look it up. It's called Raphia, R-A-P-H-I-A. Okay, verse 12, after the enemy army is swept away, the king of the south will be filled with pride and will execute many thousands of his enemies. But his success will be short lived. Right. So what ended up happening? Antiochus was defeated and he had to retreat back to Antioch, which is where uh, which is pretty much home at the end of the summer. <clears throat> excuse me. Ptolemy, the fourth invaded Syria and forced Antiochus to accept a peace treaty, which didn't last long. The, the, the terms of the peace treaty were mild, and he failed to capitalize on the victory by not going on the offensive. So that's what it means when it said he was puffed up, when it, when it says he'll be filled with pride. He didn't really push it all the way through. He was so full, he was so full of himself, he was just like, oh, you're going to do this, 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 you know. But it said, when it said, he will execute many thousands of his enemies because he invaded Syria. Okay. But it says his success will be short lived. Okay. Verse 13. A few years later, the king of the north will return with a fully equipped army far greater than before. So, what ends up happening 14 years later? There's a time jump between verse uh, 12 and verse 13. Um, 14 years have gone by. And what happens? Antiochus begins taking over the Ptolemaic territory in Western Asia. Excuse me. And he invades Egypt again in 200 BC. Okay. So let's go to verse 14. A few, uh, at that time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. So what ends up happening is that Ptolemy is that now 
Ptolemy the fourth has died. And now his son, Ptolemy the fifth, is now king. However, he's a minor. He's pretty much a child. Not pretty much. He is a child. He's a child that doesn't know anything, right? So now, since the king, since this, since Ptolemy the fifth is now king and he's a minor, it's in bad shape. So when it says verse 14, at the time, there will be a general uprising against the king of the south. What ends up happening is Antiochus III makes a deal with the king of Macedon named Philip V. It could be Philip V, but it says Philip V. Okay, that's what it means when it says a general uprising. Two kingdoms came together. Two kings came together to attack Egypt. And that began the fifth Syrian war between Syria and Egypt, right? Now, what ends up happening, look at what the scripture says. Violent men among your own people will join them in fulfillment of this vision, but they will not succeed. Now, the angel's talking to Daniel, right? He tells him violent people, violent, pe violent men among your own people. He's talking about Jews now, right? Because Daniel's a Jew. Will join the king of the south, the king of the north, right? What ends up happening is some of the Jews begin defecting to the Seleucid Empire. And in 199 BC, Antiochus attacked the Ptolemaic king province of Syria, of uh, Kole, Syria, and Phoenice, uh, Phoenicia. But he was defeated by a general named Scopus. Scopus was a general over the uh, Ptolemaic kingdom. The uh, administration appointed him general because Ptolemy V is pretty much a child at this time. So they appointed Scopus to be the general. Now, what ends up happening is Scopus defeats them, okay? He defeats Philip V and he defeats Antiochus III, right? Now, this is what happened to Scopus. What ends up happening is they send him to create, another, to make another army. This is just a side note. They send him to, I guess, expand their army. So he did his job so well, he got full of pride. You know, pride comes, you know, the Bible says pride comes before destruction, right? He got so full of pride with this big army that he amassed, he decided to take that army and try to overthrow the kingdom. However, he was defeated and he was executed in prison, okay? So that's that's pretty much Scopus's life. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Join us here next week as we continue our discussion into the King of the North and the King of the South of Daniel chapter 11.
here on Last Things Podcast. Love you guys. Be blessed.